Blog Talk Radio. On today's Mom Eleven show, we're going to talk about what students wrote in their journals about what they would like to see taught in schools. We're going to talk about free will and destiny, regrets, and other questions from students. We'll go over today's journal topic related to refugee and something that happens to Joseph in an early chapter. As always, we'll wrap it up with an idiom and a dad joke or two. Today's Mom Beloved show is brought to you by ICBM Pizza. Let's go. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Good morning again, everybody, and welcome to the Mama Levitt Show with everyone else. I'm everyone else. I'm Mr. McGowan, along with Miss Mara and Mrs. Levitt. It's, we're at Season 1, Episode 25 of the Mama Levitt Show. I can't believe we've done 25 episodes of the podcast. Wednesday, May 20th in the year 2020, day 43. It's overall day 69 of Corona Cation. And good morning, Miss Mara. I haven't had a chance to say good say hello to you yet this morning because you came on just before we started so what's up hi mara yes mara Ma- apparently mara is is playing the role of levitt today all right we'll go to levitt then that's on all the time <laughs> on time miss right, mara is gonna co- yeah levitt is you guys have switched roles levitt is on and technology is working and Mara is late and <laughs> having technology issues. All right. Uh, what's up, Lovett? Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing okay today. I'm good. Um, you know, I, so I was telling Mr. Knight where my, my house is, is grounded um, from, from TV. And so we didn't watch any, we didn't turn the TV on once yesterday. Nice. Yeah, we're grounded from TV. That was that was that was mom's decision. Um, <laughs> did you make it on? Can you hear me? I can hear can, you. Yeah, I'm not here. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing like a weird. That was like, a first. That was a weird. <laughs> hold on, now, give me one second and try to fix this. Yeah, that's that's coming that's from Mara. Mr. McGowan, you sound a little better. Yeah, let's say hi to Jaffe now, Mr. Jaffe. How are you? Hi, good morning. Good. How's everybody doing? Hi, Mr. Good Jaffe. Hi, good so morning, Mr. Levin, Ms. Mara. Yeah, everybody's Mara's, good here. How, Ms. Mara's how's everybody in your house is good? Ms. Mara's microphone was making a very bizarre noise. Let me try her oh, again. Oh, is that Ms. Mara's? Yeah. Is it still doing it? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, Mara, call Hold right on. back. Yeah, call right back. We'll get her on. So it's weird. Let's like, get those engineers over there, Mr. McGowan. I know. Got to get the IT. Got to get the IT people for uh, the Mama Levitt show on there. Yeah, it's a big. Mr. McGowan runs a big operation. As long as it's not Mr. McGowan. (laughs) I know. As long as it's not Will, the old tech guy. (laughs) As long as as they don't send me Will. (laughs) I signed up for um, uh, one of the suggestions that my uh, uh, director said was. um, stem scopes, and it's okay. I didn't haven't really used it yet. And on the um, sign up page with the administrators of uh, my uh, director, uh, Miss Richie, and also Will Hamlin. So I saw his name just a couple of days ago on a well, on a yeah. I don't know if he's still around or not. 
maybe maybe he's back. He might be back. (laughs) Maybe he's back. He's going to listen to this, and he's gonna he's gonna find some way to to torture me in the in the in the coming years. Marrow, try this again. How are you? I'm good. Do I have that sound still? Oh, much Much better. better. Much better. Much better. Hey, headphones. We're five minutes in, and we finally got our got our sound down, so we're good. Um, Shout out. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about some of the student responses to what should be taught in schools, which was one of our topics from last was a journal from last Friday and one of our topics. And we had a lot of really great responses from students that I thought would be worth sharing on today's podcast. Um, we're going to go over today's journal entry a little bit later. We have some other great questions to get to. Um, shout outs to I just want to shout out a few people that I think are doing awesome work on their journals. In general, um, Manny A., uh, Nicole, Trinity, Anthony, Lornisha, Joshua, um, probably a couple more people too, but those are the, the six people that really stand out to me that, you know, when I go through their journals and I did them, I did a lot of them on Monday because they're not due till Saturday, so I, I didn't get to do them last week. But when I go through them and I'm reading their stuff and I can just see like they're getting out of it exactly what I want them to get out of it. Just sit at the table, sit at your computer for 20, 30 minutes and just think of a topic and just write and let your brain flow and just get some ideas down on the page and just let your, your writing muscles work a little bit. So shout out to those people for doing some great work. And we're going to hear some of their, we're going to hear some of their um, ideas um, in a, in a minute. Um, Mr. Jaffe, you got any shout outs? I don't know if you were, if we got I, have to a, actually have, I have a lot of shouts. I corrected everybody's um, work that was due last Saturday. I think it was May 16th and, we're getting better. Where you guys are finally coming around. Luis is doing. Anthony, uh, Anthony Elves, uh, Alyssa, Mary. I saw Sophia is amazing. Uh, Yuri, thank you. Kiwi, amazing, amazing. Got all all her work. Dom, uh, the two Doms I saw the, uh, last week. Alyssa, Jamie, Stephanie R, Enrique showed up. Thank you, Enrique. Zeta, Josh, Junior, Trinity, Justin, Robert. Gianna, Bo, Lexi, and Gabe Ponce. Yes, I remember Gabe. So they, they did their work. <laughs> it was done well. I mean, I'm scientific at kids. You know, I mean, I I I'm, I'm getting mixed up with. Um, it's okay, but they, Mr. Thank you. Uh, so it was nice to see some new faces. What's that? It's happened, <laughs> happened to all of us. It's been it's been it's been like two months, and some of some of the students are. You know, coming back, I'm like, wait. And how about the one yeah, we were talking yeah. about scholarship recipients, and none of us could remember one of the kids that <laughs> that that replied. And Mrs. Levitt like had him for two years. I'm just like, no, I didn't have anyone by that name. And then it turns out that he did. No, go but to I the... did. I remember the name. I just can't remember yeah. the face or the child. Like I have, I'm I having re- a very hard time. I remember the name, but I thought that I had him at the high school. I didn't think he was a Maddie kid, but I guess I was wrong. And I'm going to kick yeah. myself because if I see, I saw the yearbook and see his little picture, everything will come flooding back. It's just been a yeah. while. Yeah, the pictures so bring it all back, but sometimes the names don't. Yeah, no, the and a lot of times the kids you tend to, to, to recall quicker, you, you've seen, like I've seen them. They've right, come either right. to the school or I ran into them up at the high school. So yeah. like I, I have that, like it, it's in recent, it's more of my recent short. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's a tough one. And the other thing too is that between a lot of kids, but between when they leave us and when they go into high school, they grow a lot, mm. and they become like so men and women. <laughs> and we we knew them when they were thirteen, fourteen years old, and they go through this big growth exactly. spurt. They remember oh, us because yeah. we pretty much we don't change much. Same. We don't change much at this point. Um, they might not recognize me yeah. after this year. I'm going to be able to go incognito with my with my shaved head and my and my beard. I can I can walk around town and no one can no one knows me anymore. It's kind of nice. There's a bit yeah you, got, you might have to get rid of the beard, Mister McGowan. I don't know. I, I we have new leadership in charge. I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna harass me for my for my beard like the old some of the old versions have. I don't think they're going to. I don't think no. I don't think technically with the human resources that's one, something they can. You're not in a no. safety <laughs> job. Like like yeah, your job not, where you're in safety or like your job requires you not to have facial hair because 
Yeah, it's not in our contract. It's not in our contract to have a dress code. I've also kind of decided that I don't think I'm going to wear a tie anymore. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to go in in sweatpants, but I think I think I don't think I'm going to wear a tie. I think I'll wear collared shirts, button-down shirts, collared shirts, but I don't I don't know if I'm going to go with a tie anymore. I think I'm going to I'm going to go dress like my dad. My dad is a you know he's a professional man and he he wears a, a a suit jacket and a shirt but no tie. He goes no he goes he goes yeah. like, dress like, dress forever. Too. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, this, this is my new dress code for myself. Dress like Tim McGowan. That's gonna be my uh that's my new. <laughs> Mr. Levitt does the same thing going to the office. He right? used to wear like his suits without a tie because it's casual and he was yeah. actually overdressed and um but he would get cold so he would just yeah. wear a suit jacket. <laughs> I mean. For, for me, I did. I worship uh, Boston Celtics head coach Brad Stevens, and you know Brad wears he wears the suit with no tie. So that's going to be my look as I continue my quest to be Brad Stevens in life. Um, Sonny Corinthos on General Hospital used to do the same thing for the General Hospital fans out there. So, so former <laughs> students who are listening now who will become former students very soon. Next time you see Mr. McGowan, I will not be wearing a tie. Give me my own bit of uh, of rebellion and personal. As I move through my 40s, uh, anyway, let's go to student suggestions for what should be taught. In if the school. guy, if the guy that signs your check says wear a tie, or the man or woman that signs your check says wear a tie, you might, you might wear a tie. <laughs> yeah, you, right. That's, just, that's like, well, that's like we have this discussion with students about like the dress code. Like, oh, I don't care what I wear for dress. It's like, well, because you know, when you have a when you have a job, you're expected to dress a certain way. You, know, you can't wear like a tank top and short shorts to go for like a business meeting. No, you can't. It's just not okay. You know, it's just no. not how <laughs> the world works. And so part of what school and a lot of what I was reading, I'm going to kind of tie this into um, some of the student responses about what should be taught in schools. A lot of what we teach you in school is what they call soft skills, which might not be like, right, Jeff, you know, yeah, we're talking on Friday about, about the foreign language and other things. But, uh, you know, what you learn a lot in school, you might not remember the specifics of what you learn, but you learn a lot of, like, soft skills and habits. And this is why, like, we stress things like attendance and, like, tardiness, because, like, it's important in life to show up. It's important to show up on time. It shows respect when you show up on time. If you go for a job interview and you're, and you're late, it shows a lack of respect for the person that's interviewing you and that your odds of getting the job are pretty pretty slim. Unless you're Chris Gardner from... Um, from the pursuit of happiness, but if that happens, you better have a really, really good story. Like you were in jail for not paying parking tickets to show up late. You can't just be like, "Oh, I showed up late because I sleep till one, and uh, I and uh, there was traffic." You know, you got to you got to show a little bit more initiative there. Um, let's just go into. I'll read a little bit, and then we can maybe take some turns reading what some of the students wrote. Um, Manny A. This is one that a, a lot of students put something similar to this. Manny A says, what's not taught in schools, what should be, is how to run a business. Basically, business stems from an idea, but that doesn't necessarily show us the whole picture. Developing a business and taking it forward towards success requires the brain of a mastermind. An entrepreneur is not merely a business owner. He is the one, or she, he or she is the one who changes the face of business. Creativity, risk-taking, and constantly evolving ideas are its three most important aspects. So what do you think? How to run a business? Ms. Leva, what do you think about that one? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So it's so funny because I was watching, because my new thing is to scroll through some YouTube videos, but I was watching a video with an interview with the the author and um, entrepreneur um, that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And this is something he said. He goes, they don't teach you how to run a business. They don't teach you about money, meaning they don't teach you how to make money, how to be successful. And um, so his rich, his rich dad taught him, and he made him play Monopoly all the time. And, the guy, and, and he made him do all these errands for free and everything, and, and so he could just learn from, this, from his rich dad. And his rich, and his rich dad was his friend's father, by the way, not his real father. His real father is very conservative. You know, you work, you know, to make money. You don't, you know, like you want to be, you know, a good employee and stuff like that. And it was yeah. just interesting. Um, and he made him play Monopoly all the time. But that was his thing. They said they don't. And the reason why they don't is because they don't want – his theory was, is, you know, like about making money. Like, you don't – all the schooling stuff they do isn't going to help you to 
make money. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it gives you skills sure. and everything like that, but it really doesn't. And I was thinking about this because my lifelong dream was to, is to open a bed and breakfast. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I was going, oh, that will be easy until I go, I don't know how to pay an employee. I don't know how to do employee tax. I don't know how to, you know, like food costs like for the breakfasts and like sheets and do I have, you know, like I got like so overwhelmed with trying to figure that out. And I, I realized I have no idea. I have to go do some research. It's funny. I'm going to give a shout out to Andy M. So, because one of Andy's podcast questions was something that you just touched on. Miss Levitt it says, how do the rich get richer and the poor stay poor? And that's pretty much a lot of what it is, is that a lot of people yeah. that have yeah. People that have money are kind of caught in a lot of ways. Like the, the, I read that book too, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's different ways of looking at money, either like you labor for it or you, you know, use kind take of a risk. and take a risk. Right. And that's what the whole capitalist system a is based of, on. Well, I think yeah. Manny A hit the point here. Like, like to people who are very wealthy and been successful are willing to take that risk, even if it means to fail and have to pick up your feet and start mm-hmm. over. And that means lose money, a lot of money to take what little savings you have and invest it and ask other people to invest in your business because you mean that much of, a, you know, in it. It's so it's like, that's a risk, you know, like that's hard to part with, especially if you've been raised that, you know, you save, 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 because there might be an emergency. And yeah. um, that, that can be a very difficult thing where it's like, I think you just said other people were raised to take maybe more risks than others. I was thinking about this too, because I wonder how much like something like this pandemic will affect that because people and people have been out of work and they haven't had any kind of lifeline. People are blowing through their savings accounts. Like mm-hmm. right now, like I got my, I got my stimulus check from the government and I haven't touched it. I put it right into savings. Like, I'm not going to spend that. Like, uh, <laughs> which is defeating the whole purpose. Cause we were, spo- they were supposed to spend it and like stimulate the economy. I'm like, it, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, what if we, what does that, like I'm throwing that in savings. And I'm like, I, I got to keep that for like a rainy day. Cause who knows? Nothing is certain. It's like all our, mm-hmm. my grandparents and our parents and that, that grew up during the depression that learned to save everything. And my grandfather kept, when my, when my grandfather died, or we moved out of his apartment in Chelsea, we went through his apartment and we found he had like thousands of dollars in cash, like stuffed in envelopes that was like hidden all around his apartment. And it's because they didn't really trust banks. And like if there's ever was like another bank run or a run on the banks or just a complete economic collapse, he would at least have like some money. And my father-in-law has gold stashed somewhere in, uh, in, in their house. So he'll have some, he'll have some, some like some gold in case of like the apocalypse comes. But on the topic of money, Miss Mara, would you mind? Can you go on and read some of Joshua's answer about what he would want taught in school? Sure, and yeah, and then I had also a thought about how we could tie that into our math curriculum. But so Joshua said yeah, one thing I would want to be taught in. Yeah, Joshua said one thing I would want to be taught in school is personal finance and how we should be using our money. I think it's good to understand money at an early age so in the future you aren't left wondering. By doing courses like this, I feel like it shows us how to be creative and make something out of ourselves and become future entrepreneurs and make business because we, want, because we learned at a young age. Warren Buffett was quoted saying, if you don't find a way to make money in your sleep, you will work until you die, which in my opinion is so true because we see people depend on the boss to get paid, but why can't I be the boss? Why can't I have people work for me? I don't want to depend on checks from a boss forever because I eventually want to make a business and make revenue from that. I had a couple of Yeah, I love that one because I feel like first and foremost, you just have to, not that this is all it takes, but you have to be able to believe that you can be the boss. And I think, a lot of us, well, myself, I'll speak for myself, just kind of never had that idea in my head, like I could be the boss. And, um, you know, one of the things I thought about how, how we could realistically tie this in, I know chapter five in our math books, when we do solving systems of linear equations, it starts with like how to use a table to um, calculate when you're, you know, when you're starting a business, you have starting expenses that are inevitable you've got to put some money up front and how to calculate when your expenditures and your revenue you know meet at a certain point and then if your revenue is surpassing then you make a profit and I think that's like a perfect tie-in to how to like 
start, you know, just the basics of starting a business. I think as a teacher, I don't, I mean, by nature of my profession, I don't know what it takes to run a business because that's not what I do. So I think it would be interesting for all of us to kind of learn that stuff. I agree with you, Emma. Yeah. That whole idea that we weren't taught, like as a kid, like my dad tried to start a business, but he wasn't very successful. So like in my head, I don't see success with people venturing off, not working for other people. Like, and I know it's subconscious, which makes it hard. Yeah. I love, I love Josh's statement. Like you said to like, you know, that whole, like, you know, he wants to be his own boss and like, that's, you know, it's nice because then you don't have to worry about people telling you what to do. You know, you're right. in charge of your own. I mean, it's you scary, really do too. Have I mean, I think, ultimate freedom. <laughs> right. I mean, and kids should also know that that's tremendously risky. Like, we should also be telling them, you know, well, there's certain professions that are a lot more safer and, you know, you get a salary and this, that, and the other thing. But, like, mm-hmm. why shouldn't they be growing up with the idea of, like, oh, this is something that I can do? I think a lot of the kids yeah. that have business owners in the family, it's more second nature to them. But, um, like, for you or myself, I grew up with parents that, you know, I have a nurse for a a mom and a hospital, you know, administrator person for a dad. Those are both pretty secure jobs, so I just didn't have Mm -hmm. that growing up. Yeah. No, and I I was the same way, military and and a teacher. My dad was in the military, and my mom was a teacher. When my dad retired, he tried to do real estate business on himself. He was successful to a degree, but, like, he never became that millionaire he wanted to be or, or, or well-to-do. He, he got by. He, he paid his bills every month, and that was about it. But he didn't, get, he didn't move where he wanted to move. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it does take a level of, 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 of uh, some kind of personality to be an entrepreneur. Because like you said, talking about Miss Mary, Miss Levitt, the, the whole idea of security – like there's trade-offs. Like yeah, you have like you could be the ultimate. Uh, you could be the boss, and you could risk all that. But with all that risk comes all the responsibility, and everything comes back on you. And then you could, you know, you do risk like losing everything. So there it depends upon you know when students are trying to figure out what you want to do with your lives. You got one thing that we always tell them is like, well, what kind of person are you? You know, like what's your personality like? Would you would you prefer, you know, as a, a teacher, you're not you're not going to get rich. You're going to be able to live a good middle-class lifestyle, but you're going to, you know, you're going to have security. And so there's a little, there's trade-offs right. with all these things as to, you know, one thing gets more of this, one thing gets more of the other one. Miss um, Levitt, can, can you I, do more? Can I just, can yeah, I, can yeah, I just yeah. chime in for one second? So you need, absolutely, you need a business sense and you need a, a model and you need uh, a money sense, but you also need the idea or the product. And you want to have right. people either want your stuff or want you, whatever, what service. So I, I'm, I'm just thinking about a computer. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the show Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, so the, the number one, the number one product that, that it was pitched on Shark Tank was uh, the ring doorbell. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Apparently it has a, no. a camera in it and you can yeah. see who's at your door. So there was a guy a couple of years ago just pitching it, and it's worth over uh, over uh, three quarters of a billion dollars now. Wow! And he had an idea for a camera in a in a uh, in a bell. So we so the idea is is I think as important as the money. The number two product was something called Scrub Daddy. I never heard of it. Scrub, <laughs> what is it? Like pots and pans. It looks like a little yellow no. sun. No, I, I don't know that one. Yeah, I never heard uh, the Simply Fitboard, almost two hundred million dollars. Oh, I've heard of that one. <laughs> Have you heard of the Squatty yeah, I've seen it on Potty? TV. <laughs> squatty Potty. Seen, yeah, Squatty Potty. Oh, squatty Potty. Fifty elves sweaters. <laughs> Bombas socks is worth over a hundred million dollars. I've heard of them. They're yeah, socks. they're nice socks. When you go out and buy socks. Yeah, those are great. I have some of those actually. Are there they you go. It was Are they? Because they go by size, so they you buy socks they're like nine to eleven. These socks are, I apparently I'm looking at it now. They're sized according to your foot. Emma, how did you realize? Them. I mean, they're great, except I can never keep track of socks, so it's kind of a waste of money because <laughs> I lost one already. The bombers are easy. Mr. Bombers are easy because they have the they have the the logo on them, so you can just match them very easily with the other the other bombers. Oh, so you know to make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, 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 you buy bombas? Online, Mr. Uh, Jeff. Are they, are they, online. 
I got yeah, I got mine at Marathon Sports, which is like a running store. But. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. Oh, okay. Well, wait a man explain Marathon Sports to us, Mara. <laughs> guys, guys, you, you got to come up with an you got to come up with an idea. What what do people want? You'd be surprised what people want. Hey, um, this is why I keep being an entrepreneur because like I'm an ideas guy, but then after that, I'm like someone else run with it. <laughs> like I don't know how to like put it into into action. I'm like that's I'm the idea. <laughs> I thought you got to partner up with someone. Like yeah, you, like someone's got to be the ideas guy and someone else got to be the the logistics guy. Right. You that's know, why or, they're partners. Or, sure. Right. They're partners. Um, Miss Levitt, can you do uh, Lornisha's Lornisha's sure. topic? This was a really amazing one. So what's not in school but should be is self-defense classes. People get kidnapped or assaulted every minute of the day, but if we had a self-defense class in school, the rates of kidnapping or assault would be lowered down. Self-defense classes help you learn different things, um, not just how to protect yourself, but how to be humble, and you learn things about your mindset. Different people can make a career out of it. They really want to. It would be easier if they had it in school because then they would have years of experience. Self-defense can teach kids that stress, getting bullied, how to protect themselves. Um, students will learn how to protect themselves in school and out of school. And it also gives kids a sense of security that they can protect themselves and not depend on anyone helping them when they are in a helpless situation. Awesome so idea. I. Yeah, you know, I always say I'm going to go take a self-defense class, and um, and and I think like she hits on a few things. I know that when I started working out about ten years ago and lifting weights and things like that, and built my strength up, like there was something empowering that I felt strong that I could do anything. Like, like I it gave me this self-confidence that I that I was lacking. Um, and, and I, and I, and I never knew that that could happen from working out because I was never an athletic person, um, and never went to a gym. I didn't like it. And so like, I've become like a, a gym junkie because of this. Um, and then, and I think that she hits like, you know, it's nice to be able to take care of yourself and not depend on other people. And we see that a lot. Oh, Aunt crawling. Oh. Sorry. Do you remember when we did the, um, when we did our TCIS class and we were practicing all our restraints and all our like holes and things like that. I thought that was amazing. I thought, I, I thought it was great just to be able to, to have that ability somewhere, just to have that in the back of your head, even just to, even just to have just the knowledge of the mindset, like Lonisha talked about, like what your mindset would be. I think it's a, it's a great thing for our kids to know like self-defense and then they can really understand what self-defense means so no one, people will stop using it as a justification for getting a fight with someone. Like if someone calls you a bad name on Snapchat, it's not self-defense to go up and face. You know, it's just a difference between self-defense and, and conflict. And I, that was, a, it was an amazing idea. Lily had another one too, piggybacking that, that Lily said another thing teachers talk about is safety. How to be more safe when it comes to different things. I know we take a day to learn about this stuff. Like if someone comes in with a gun or whatnot, I'd like to know more about that kind of stuff. Even though it's a scary topic, I would still like to know more about it. Protection, too. How could I be more protected if something like that were to happen? Yeah, it's interesting because I think some of us, we don't want to overwhelm the kids with worrying about stuff like that. But at the same time, like, stuff that we do need to know about because that's the kind of stuff that could save your life in some situation. I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Jaffe, about the self-defense or safety um, self-defense or safety. What's that quote from Benjamin Franklin? If you give up a little safety for, if you give up a little safety for security. liberty, you lose both. Yeah, if you give up freedom yeah. for security. If you give you up the both. more, you ask the government to to take care of you, like give you more security and make things safe. The less liberty you have, because you don't have as many choices to make anymore. So that was kind of yeah. Benjamin Franklin's quote. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a, paraphrased. <laughs> there's so many. Law, if you look at a, like how many laws there are, there's massive amounts of volumes of laws. That you know, there's an old saying: you could indict like a ha- like a ham sandwich for sitting on a plate. I think we have enough laws and enough things trying to make us safe that we just want to be left alone. 
think yeah, well, no, I think, like this I think she's talking about like self-protection, like safety in school. Like if someone, like if someone were to come oh, in, I'm sorry, I, I missed, I missed training, the phrase. Like, yeah, I like think that like there's a degree of safety. I kind of like the tying in of more of a self-defense class because it gives you that empowerment yeah. that you know how to defend yourself, and it gives you that confidence. So that if there is a situation that brews in school, like how she's worried about maybe if, a, you know, someone comes in with, you know, a shooter into a school or something like that, um, rather than like having that flee type thing or that, you know, because you get that, that fight or flight type syndrome that, that hits us all in emergency situations, that with a self-defense class, maybe you can regulate those hormones and stress levels to bring you down into rational thought. So that when you're in a situation like that, you can think more logically and rationally, and you're not worried about just fleeing and not, and being and not in in making it like an irrational decision where you might end up getting hurt or something like that. So I think it could be tied into each other. Yeah, yeah. If I could um jump on that. Um, one thing we learned in TCIS was like <clears throat> that has always <clears throat> stuck with me in terms of like everything I learned is he, I remember him saying like when in a crisis situation you ge- you generally don't become the hero that you wish you could be you sink to your highest level of training so the more training you have the better you're automatically going to be prepared and i just feel like the more knowledge that you have to pr- to defend yourself the less likely you're going to get into like a dumb altercation on the street either because if you know oh i could take this person or i could defend myself in this situation the more likely you are to try to like avoid that situation not out of mm-hmm. fear, but just like, I don't need to go there. Like, I know what mm-hmm. I have to do, and I don't need to go there. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I don't yeah, know what to it but. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And that keeps a lot of people out of trouble. Um, Love it. Can you read, uh, go on to cases? Sure. Um, something that I would l- want to learn in school, high school, is sign language, because I love learning sign language. And if there was an opportunity to be in a sign language honors class, um, I think I was talking to you prior to this. I think I sign language to me is almost like a universal language. And um, one thing, I mean, my grandmother, who's hard of hearing her whole life, it would have been nice if both of us did because it would have made things a little bit easier when her hearing aids weren't working. Um, and even now, like where she can see a little bit, but like with all the masks and stuff that everyone has to wear, she she always depended on reading lips. And now like right. she that's gone. So now like, um, you know, she knew how to sign a little bit and you could sign back. It, it would just help with some communication, especially when I was visiting her behind a window and the woman's deaf and 103 and a half years old. And <laughs> I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> and there's a glare. <laughs> from the <sun. laughs> it's funny, Miss Levy, because you, you just brought up, um, you know, senior citizens and also people wearing masks. I hadn't even considered those possibilities of sign language. And I was still looking at it as people that are deaf. I had I had a um, a good friend. Well, he's still my friend. One of my good friends has an aunt who's deaf, and also his uncle is deaf. And they had one of those phones in their house growing up that you could call deaf people. I don't even know what they're called, but there's there's like the you don't probably need them anymore because now people can just text things like that. But he took American Sign Language in college, and he was learning more about how to communicate with his aunt. And it does make you think a little bit more about people's just experiences as being deaf or being old and unable to hear, or like these days, like having people, you know, wearing masks and what, ha- how do you lip read if you can't see people's, see people's lips? So fascinating stuff, American sign language. I wonder if that's something that you could take. It's definitely probably not at EHS, but you probably take a course somewhere these days, like online, you can find like anything like that. Miss um, Mara, can you read Nicole's? She said um, some really interesting things that I think, I think sure. more kids think this. I think a lot of kids think this, but they're unwilling to voice it. And I think I, mm. I, I give all a shout out for, for voicing what a lot of kids are kind of afraid to. I shout her out on this too. <laughs> sure. Um, so Nicole said, in my opinion, I think that the things that are being taught in school are enough, but the homework isn't. I feel this way because I used to go to a school in Malden and every night I would get a bunch of homework but at school we get one sheet of work for math a day and barely more than that for other classes. I think the homework's too easy because we don't get enough of it. So I think if the school provides a constant on homework and not just on in-school work, we can get much more consistency and get more students to really make more time 
to do homework and focus on what they learned during the day. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> and I think kids have to kids have to realize that like when we give people homework or when we assign them to do projects or things like that, like we're not trying to kill them. We're not trying to like torture them. We're not trying to like make their lives miserable, like we were accused of by by some people in over the years. It's not. It's about giving you an education and making you making you better. And it's it's good for us to hear that somebody thinks. Yeah, the more you'll do, the more the better off you'll be. You only get out of it what you put into it. So Nicole also said self defense too. Said she would also she would also like self defense. Oh, also I forgot to mention Lonisha also defended TikTok in her journal entry part of the that I didn't put on there because I know I I badmouthed TikTok the other day and she said it's a great resource if you watch there's videos on it and I wrote back to her and I said like anything it's it's not like inherently good or bad in and of itself it's just more how people use it you know you could use it i mean facebook could have been like the greatest communications tool on the planet but now people just use it for stupid reasons and everyone else everything else is is what they're too so yeah interesting what do you think uh do i could get enough homework oh mr jaffe i don't know but there's apparently there's videos and all these what i was thinking i said to her too was um just be careful the sources of what you're watching, and I think right. someone else, I think yeah. I think it was maybe Manny and mentioned this too in his journal about how like he's watching this video about so and so and he learned a lot. It's great, but be careful of the sources because you don't know like you, you can't tell if something's credible or not just because it's on TikTok or because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. You have to make sure that right. you're vetting your, your your credible sources. Mr. Jaffe, do you think that our kids get enough homework or need more homework? Um, I don't think they get enough. Although I, I question sometimes whether giving homework is yeah. a good thing or a bad thing. But I don't think That's, as long as they get it, I don't think anybody's overwhelmed with homework. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge debate in education as to homework. And there's a huge school of thought that says don't give any homework, no homework, do everything in school and no, and let kids keep, right. keep school and keep out. There's a, I'm not sure I completely 100% agree with that. Oh, but yeah. a, uh, me too. Our old our old vice principal at EHS was very much against homework. He didn't he didn't think our kids he thought homework was very overrated. And at first I thought it was kind of a crazy idea, and then I was like, all right, it makes us a little bit of merit. I don't think it's 100% true, but definitely it's, it's worth thinking about. Um, I, Lover, what do you think? Should, I, yeah. I, I, I think homework should be balanced out. Um, I don't think you should be throwing everything in the kitchen sink at people because it's like just to keep them busy. I think it should be an extension or an assessment of what you did in that day's class, uh, either like practice, um, an extension to go further and what you learned so you can see if the kid, if the student can apply the knowledge that they learned. And um, in, in, I think that yeah. without doing anything at home, if you just rely on the six hours in school, um, the retention level of knowledge goes down. I also think it, it, it teaches students that they um, not, you know, like responsibility that you have to do things on your own, on your own time, mm-hmm. you know, and that you have to turn things in on a certain time, um, which I think you were talking about soft skills earlier. And I also think that um, I, you know, those who students that go to schools that do give homework, especially in the middle school and high school level, are better prepared for college and learning on their own later in life than those who do not receive any homework. And I think it's kind of sad to say our students don't need to do the homework. What is that saying? What are you saying to your students? And like, and I'm sorry, if you go to a private school or like a prep school or, you know, some of these more affluent schools, because parents expect it, um, they do a lot more work, and because they're doing more work, as Nicole kind of said, um, there's more consistency, and they have more knowledge and more retention, and their skill level is a little bit higher because of it. And that's, that's just my that's opinion. I could be wrong, no, and I'm not a bombardment in homework. I think there needs to be balance. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, 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 I, that's definitely one of the soft skills is the ability to work on your own and find some things out on your own and find time and manage your time. You learn this too, as a high school athlete, 
um, as a scholar athlete is it's, it's so much you, some of the soft skills you learn is time management, how to work things together. Like maybe you, maybe you can't play video games tonight because you have practice and then you have to do your homework, you know, and making those kind of choices. Um, Ms. Mary, did you have a point? I don't know if I cut you off. Yeah, just a couple things. Um, the first thing was like, and I try to tell Eden this too, is like playtime and leisure time just feels so much better when you put a little work in and it's something that's like counterintuitive, but once you do it, like you feel, oh, okay, this, I get it. I, you know, I, I had a responsibility and I covered it and now I can enjoy myself more. Um, and that's kind of like something you just learn throughout life, I think, or some people don't, but um, and then the other thing is like, yeah, for me, I've always struggled with the idea of homework. Um, but my, after 10 years, I've decided I will always assign homework and how I count it, you know, it might be more extra credit than anything else, but I'm never going to not assign homework because kids yeah. don't do it. Cause there's always a couple kids that will do it. And why would I take away from them because mm-hmm. the other kids aren't going to do it. So that's how I feel about homework. I kind of related to college where we you know we're trying to prepare our kids to have the opportunity to go to college. And like for an ELA class, like you would do your reading. What, what would be like an ideal class for middle school ELA is the kids would do the reading at home on their own. And then in class is when we do discussions and activities and other things to kind of like digest and, and process the reading. Um, but mm-hmm. what ends up happening is we end up doing most of the reading reading in school or in class just because there's a lot of kids who just will, are reluctant or refuse to do any reading at home. And so they would come into class and the class is then completely unproductive if they hadn't done it. I mean, you guys have been to college, right. you know, like in college, like if you show up to a college class and especially a graduate school class, if you show up to a college class and you're unprepared for class, it's not acceptable at all. It's not yeah. okay. And like the professor yeah. doesn't be like, we're just going to like, so, oh, we're, we're going to adjust. It's like, no, it's your fault. You didn't do it. So you, you better damn well make sure that you're prepared for the next class. There's and that's no kind of what communicated me. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, we have to come up with it because we have to also realize that our kids are not college kids, but we also want to prepare them to one day be college kids if they want to have that opportunity. Well, I and, have to think of businesses. If you're going to be your own business or go to a trade school, you still have responsibility to, to do things beyond your work hours. I'm like, yeah. and you have to know how to do it and the skill set to be able to do it and, and have the, the, the meat, you know, to do stuff like that. And I think that that's kind of sort of what, you know, the extension yeah. of homework is supposed to be. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, it's not a nine to five job. You don't just oh, clock no. out at five and say it's all over. You know, you don't just leave it at school. You don't say only do school. And that's why I love uh, kids that always say like, well, if homework is for home, then how come like sleeping isn't, how come we can't sleep in school? Well, just because we're trying to train you guys for the real world and have you be successful. Um, a couple other ones that we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have time to read all of them, but like Wendy talked about languages and culture. Um, Anthony talked about um, things involving money, loans, refinancing, how to buy or rent an apartment or house. I don't know if mm. you need to have a whole like college class about how to buy a house or a whole high school class about buying a house or renting an apartment, but it is interesting things to, to, to talk about. I learned a lot when I did my real estate license like 12 years ago about just about the process of, of, of um, buying houses and things. And then Manny N also echoed about money management. So that was a long conversation, but I just, I, I thought these kids put in a lot of really good work and thought and they deserved us to comment on, um, some of their ideas. I thought some of them were really, really good. Let's hear from a uh, quick commercial break. ICBM pizza. We'll come back. We have one more segment. We'll do a couple student questions and the journal and idiom. Sick of getting your pizza the old fashioned way delivered by some tool riding his little sister's bike. Sick of pizza places that advertise the delivered in 30 minutes or less guarantee, but don't actually deliver in time. Well, Our dear leader understands that you need your pizza delivered real fast. So call us. We're Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Pizza. ICBM Pizza. A new division of the North Korean People's Army. We promise your order will be there in a flash and your pizza will be hot. Guaranteed. With delivery to the U.S. territory of Guam in 14 minutes or less. Delivery to Japan 
in five minutes or less. And delivery to South Korea, there before you can hang up the phone. ICBM Pizza. Explosively good taste, no tips required, and your choice of all two toppings that are not on the UN sanctions list. Yet. ICBM Pizza is not responsible for damage to you or your home as a result of lost telemetry, shoddy directions, or flocks of southern migrating birds who got in the freaking way. This has All right, back on the Mama Levitt Show. Back on the Mama Levitt Show after our break. And with a longtime sponsor, ICBM Pizza, um, competitor with Nana's and, and Nani's <laughs> and, Everett, and Everett House Pizza for our best, best pizza in, in the world. Student questions. We, got, we have a bunch. We, I figure we can, save, we can save a lot of them for, for Friday, but there's a couple that I promised some of the kids that we get to today. Andy, so Andy had two questions, one left over from last week and one from this week. The one from this week was about how do the rich get richer and the poor stay poorer. And that was one we kind of already discussed. But his other one was very deep. Do you think everything in life is destined to be and or is there free will? What do you think, Miss Mara? You're you're kind of a of a mystic <laughs> in some ways. What do you think what's I your on destiny versus free will? Oh, um, well, I think it's like a very personal, I think it's kind of like a choice that you make throughout life, what you believe in. For me, like that's kind of what faith is, is it's like a choice. Um, I'm a big believer in free will. Um, I do, I don't think everything is just laid out and predetermined um, because the choice that I make in life is that it's going to have meaning. And the way I derive meaning is that I have some kind of stake or say in how it turns out. Um, so if everything was just kind of predetermined, then t- to me, that would like take away all meaning. Um, but I think it's like a very personal choice that you make. Um, but yeah, I- I'm a big deter. I-, I think that it's an interplay of both. I think there's some help that we get from beyond. And I also think it's how we use that help with our free will that will determine our quote unquote destiny. Interesting. Cause yeah, if you are, if, if, if someone is a Christian, they have to believe in, in free will, but they also paradoxically believe that God is like eternal and knows everything from the, so it's, that was, that's something from my Catholic school background, I had a very hard time wrapping my head around that. God knows everything that's going to happen, everything that will happen, everything that has happened, but I have, but I have the complete free will to do whatever I want. (laughs) Very paradoxical. Right. Mrs. Murphy. So as, so Miss Mara is a mystic. Uh, Mr. Jaffe, as the science man, um, what's your take on destiny versus free will? I'll just give you uh, a literature quote. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Oh, that Julius Caesar. The fault is not in our stars, dear Brutus, but in ourselves. It's not in, like, your destiny. It's not in your astrology. It's in your... If your life sucks, it's of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know my I know my Shakespeare. And, and people make their own life, make their own way in their lives, and they try to grab whatever opportunities they see or make, but nothing is destined. Spoken like spoken so, like a true scientist, Mr. Jaffe. Uh, Mom, I love it. Yeah, as the I, realist, I just think, as the and, realist, and lots of other people. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mr. Jaffe. You can finish your answer. No, lots of people. You know, you get uh, you get uh, beaten down, and you try to get up again and, and do better. But nothing is nothing is destined. It's all a lot of it's just hard work. You make the world what you want it to be. There's a line like that in Refugee, um, in one of the chapters coming up, about I was waiting for the world to change, and it never did. And I realized because I didn't change it one of the great lines that I've said which one said that uh, I don't want to I, I don't want to spoil it but it's, it's in the Isabel chapter um, oh, okay okay Isabel time is from Cuba right yeah he said my whole life I was waiting for the world to change and it never did and I realized it's because I didn't change it 
Um, so Mara is the mystic, Jaffe is the scientist, Levitt as the realist and libertarian of our group. Um, what's your take on destiny? <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at my take. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I actually am one of those people that I do believe that you, you are in charge of your own life and you make your decisions that you choose to make. However, <laughs> I am one of those people too, that believe that you have this inner, um, thoughts um in in some like i kind of like when i read the alchemist it really kind of helped to channel what where my thinking was going with this so basically um the universe some people might call it a god god or whatever but the universe speaks to you it's are you listening so you know when you have those feelings that you should go in a certain direction and sometimes you do it and things work out and other times you make the choice um, and then things don't go so well for you. Um, but, and then you kind of circle back around and the, that, like that, that original kind of direction you should have gone, it kind of will give you another opportunity in life to put you back on that path or not. And I, I kind of feel like you, you have to listen to your inner self sometimes and kind of like mm-hmm. clear your head and figure out what is best for you as a person. You ultimately are in charge of your own life. You make all your own decisions. But I do believe like in all this energy and stuff within the universe, because everything's made up of energy, which Mr. Mr. Jaffe will talk about science more. But like, if that is the case and energy doesn't ever go away, it just gets dispersed into different places. Like you just have to listen to all, like, I think you have to listen to your inner self to listen to what's the view, I call it, I always say this to people now ever since I read The Alchemist because it's from there, um, is that you have to listen to what the universe is saying to you and then make those decisions. And if you, if you start to interchannel that, I feel like good things start to happen. You're still in charge of it. You're still making all those decisions, but you're allowing that, you're, you're, you're ma- allowing that path that's best for you. Yeah, I would say I think my take I think my my take on it is pretty similar to that. I mean, I've I'm working on this in my own life. Just the idea that it's a balance between accepting who you are and where you came from and who you're who you are as a person, and also asserting who you want to be, want to make yourself Mm. into. And there's kind of there's a balance between that because people I read. One of the journal topics from last week is, you know, what do you, what's one thing you would want to change about yourself? And a lot of people said things like, oh, I wish I had this personality. I wish I had that personality. I thought that was interesting because I wrote back to them and said, you know, you could, you should, you can accept and be successful at whatever personality you have, but you don't have to change yourself and who you are to do that. You know, you can, it's a way of accepting yourself, but also moving forward into what you want to, what you want to be. You don't have to be something that you're not. You don't have to pretend you're someone that you're someone that you're not to achieve your goals. You can you can do it by who you want to be. Great question from from Andy, and then we have a lot more to get to on Friday. But I just want to address one thing from last week. Gianna had a question about softball or sports returning. <clears throat> and if anyone didn't see this, of students are listening, um, the Massachusetts reopening plan would allow youth softball to begin possibly. Um, practice on June 8th and games could possibly begin June 29th in a timetable we have right now. So hopefully that will allow some of our softball players and baseball players and some of our, our spring people, not at the high school level, obviously, but some of our kids and my daughter too, because Michaela plays, uh, plays softball to maybe have a softball season this year with some guidelines and some other you know, obviously will be restrictions on like fans and parents and whatever it was, but there's, there's hope out there. So we're talking a few weeks, June 8th, or maybe games on June 29th is what the Everett Girls Softball League is looking for. All right, last couple things for today. Today's journal entry. Um, journal entry gets into one of the early chapters of Refugee. Um, the, and the, the topic says, when Joseph is beaten up by a group of Hitler youth outside school, this is from an early chapter, the narrator tells us, quote, the worst part was Klaus had joined them. Now, Klaus was one of his best friends. And there's a story about when Joseph was kind of humiliated by his German teacher and he was forced to come up on come up in front of the room and 
the teacher like used him as an example of how to tell a Jew by like their jaw lines and their cheekbones and things mm-hmm. like that. And Klaus looked at him and gave like a little bit of a wince, like he felt bad for him. But then later on, there's a group of kids outside school wearing the Hitler youth outfits and Klaus had joined them. So your journal question for today is why do you think Klaus joined in to hurt Joseph? Um, in what ways do you find yourself dealing with peer pressure? And how far should a person go to fit in? So maybe, Ms. Meyer, do you want to talk, just get, share some, a couple ideas a little bit? Because I do, I, I want our kids to maybe listen to some of our ideas first before they go and write. But what are some things you think maybe you dealt with in school or you think kids deal with with terms of peer pressure? Oh, I mean, it's so hard as an adult to go back and, like, tell kids what they should do or shouldn't do. I know developmentally, like, the opinion of your peers, basically, like, the most important thing in adolescence. So it's completely understandable, I guess, why kids would go along with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to say that that's right, but, I mean, it's – I think that in order to like deal with these situations, we have to come from a place of like empathy and understanding of why a kid would do something like that. Not like shame, not shame kids into the behavior because it's totally in in the end, it's kind of like a normal behavior um, to kind of follow along with, with what your peers are doing, especially if it's, you know, your own government telling you that this is the right thing to be doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I what I think about a lot when I read about the Hitler youth and everything going on. It's like, I mean, a lot of people would say I would never do that. That would never be me. I'd never do that to my kid. But that takes a lot of bravery and you're risking your safety and your life to do something like that. So I think people are unrealistic when they say that would never be me. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I think about. The other thing, too, to bring up about peer pressure is sometimes people do go along with stuff, but they don't actually believe it. Like we do. We see in the novel that just because someone's wearing a Hitler youth uniform doesn't mean they're a bad person. There's the scene that's on the train when Joseph gets well, he gets basically caught because he took his armband off and the Hitler youth kid brings him back. And Joseph thinks that he's dead. And then the kid throws it back. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, stop doing that. Like, so yeah. he's wearing the uniform maybe just to fit in, but he doesn't necessarily like believe that. Also, it's fair mentioning about the Hitler youth that um, the former Pope, the Pope Emeritus, Pope Benedict the 16th, who's still living somewhere in seclusion somewhere in Italy, um, grew up in Germany. And as a young, as a young boy, he was a member of the Hitler youth because basically like you said, Miss Mara, like you're kind of like forced to be by like your government. Um, so yeah, so the topic for today is about peer pressure and fitting in and just share. So for students, so share some thoughts about peer pressure and about, you know, relate that to the story of a refugee, but also related to your own lives about maybe some challenges that you've had about peer pressure and some things um, and some things fitting in there. Love it. Any comments on peer pressure? Um, yeah. Um, I kind of going to echo a little bit with Ms. Mara. I think it's very typical. I see it with adults even, um, besides adolescents in that age group, but people are afraid. So if you don't go with the group mentality, you're afraid of the repercussions of what's going to be said about you. Um, I, you know, I see it a lot even today. If you If you don't think like the herd, you, you, you tend to be um, made fun of. Um, you c- get called names. You're told things that maybe are untrue about you, but that's the kind of mentality they're thinking. Um, I think people tend to do it because it's um, a sense of belonging and they don't want to be that person that gets made fun of or put down or called the name either. Um, I do think like Ms. Mara said back then, like a lot of kids and a lot of people in Germany went along, um, even though they didn't, it doesn't mean that they're bad. Um, I guess sometimes it's funny. Sometimes good people do bad things. Um, Mm -hmm. but in, in, and I think that like, it's really hard to have a black and white on something like this. I think in closet situation, probably back then I have not read the book or anything, 
my guest is even in which echoes even today. I see students. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why do you hang out with these people even though they're mean to others and really mean and they bully you and they're like, Miss Levitt, you don't understand. If I don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah. and that's kind of like that mentality in life, why people do stuff and they don't, it's really hard because you could just to stand up. I mean, especially if it's something with government and it could mean that you could risk your life. Like people that yeah. tend to want to um, take it's, their it's, life. It's nature. Life. I think it's human nature. If you find someone else to pick on and along with the group, then they're not, at least they're not picking on you. So it becomes Will almost they talk like about this with Lord survival. of the Flies next year? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Lord, Lord of the Flies definitely talks about that, about the idea of peer pressure and going along with the crowd. And sometimes you do it for, like in that book, they do it for literally survival. Um, but it's also, it's also in schools just for like social survival. So interesting stuff. So that will be, you can use that as your topic for today. <clears throat> Last thing for today, idiom for period C and D. And our, your idiom is egg on your face. To have egg on your face. To have egg on your face means to feel embarrassed for a silly mistake you made or something foolish you did. Oh, I think probably the Pope, the, the, the former Pope has egg on his face for having been part of the Hitler youth. I would say um, my version is the basketball player had egg on his face after scoring a hoop on the wrong basket. We have, we have definitely, we have definitely seen that. Um, Mr. Jaffe, do you have an example of a, of an egg on your face? Um, uh, t- Tom Brady had egg on his face when the last pass he threw as a Patriot was in pick six. Oh, that's right. And he'll always be remembered for that. Right. Um, Absolutely. Ms. Mara, what's your egg on the egg on your face sentence? Um, so this year in eighth grade, I've had a learning curve of teaching math. So there's been a couple of math lessons where I've had egg on my face and had to go back and say, actually, we do it this way, not the way I originally taught you. <laughs> my bad. Just moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> pay, no pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, Mama Lover, what's your egg on your face sentence? You know what? I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm really bad at this kind of stuff. When people ask me, if you ask me like ten, in 10 minutes, if you came back to me, I'd probably have an answer. But well, this is why I've been trying to think all morning. Not for, not for nothing. I'm but really this is bad why. at like when people ask me questions no. on the spot. I can't not think of anything. Nothing, and then later. Not for nothing. I do put the idioms on the show notes. So if you want to look at them. No, you I can do know. <laughs> I was looking at it. Oh, I did look at it earlier. I can't think of one because it's like I'm on the spot to think of it. For period C and D, if you have to put egg, Miss Levitt has egg on her face for not being able to think of an egg on your egg on her face. Sentence. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. And uh, some dad jokes for today, Miss Mara. What do you get when you wake up in the morning and realize you're out of coffee? Oh, what? A depresso. <laughs> You know, Mr. Jaffe, oh. they say they say time flies like an arrow, but fruit flies like a banana. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> and Miss uh, Levitt, you hear about the two melons who wanted to run away and get married? No. They realize they cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for us on the Mama Left Show today. I always like to go out, go out on a high note with, uh, with with some dad jokes or a low note, depending upon how you look at it. Uh, <laughs> we'll have our we'll have our Eli Civic Zoom tomorrow on Thursday at one o'clock. Your journal entry today is about is about um, peer pressure. Um, thanks to all the students who submitted questions, and we'll get to a yeah, lot of them. Great on questions. Top. Very. I was impressed great with questions. everybody's yep. question. Great questions and great points, and you know, keep talking to your friends about getting them to come on the Zooms and listening to stuff and staying engaged because this is going to be all over before we know it. And believe it or not, you're actually going to miss this kind of stuff. All right, so for Mrs. Mara, Mrs. Levitt, and Mr. Jaffe, this is Mr. McGowan saying, do something Bye, good today and don't get caught. And we'll talk to everyone on Friday. We're going to play you out with one of my favorite songs from, uh, from an artist named Kenny Chesney. 
and references our hometown of Please Come to Boston. <laughs> you know, um, I've traveled, I've been on the road almost 12 years. And I've always loved this song, and this song was written by another fellow in East Tennessee named Dave Loggins. And it's always been one of my favorite songs, and, and since I've been away from home for so long, this song uh, really means a lot to me, and it really rings true to my life, all right? I love you too, baby. Please come to Boston for springtime. Staying here with some friends and they got lots of room. You can sell your paintings on the sidewalk. Buy a cafe where I hope to be working soon. Please come to Boston, she said no. Oh, you come home to me She said, here am I, boy, why don't you settle down Boston ain't your kind of town There ain't no gold and there ain't nobody like me I'm the number one fan of the man from Tennessee Denver to see the snow fall. Maybe I've been to the mountains so far that we can't be found. Though I love you, echoes down the canyon. And then lie awake at night till they come back around. Please come to Denver, she said no. Before you come home to me Thank you. 